Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Friends, today we are continuing on in our sermon series called A Place at the Table. We've been carving out the last couple weeks to specifically focus in on grace and what it is that we mean when we talk about the grace of God. We believe that there is a place at the table for everyone and that the reason there's a place at the table for everyone is because of grace. Um, and grace can be one of those like big churchy words that is hard to necessarily know exactly what it means or what it means in different contexts when we talk about grace. So the last three weeks we have been talking about kind of different subsets of grace that we tend to focus in on. So two weeks ago, we talked about provenient grace, the grace that goes before us and prepares a way. Uh, last week, we talked about um, how through grace, we have been saved and freed from the power of sin in our lives so that we can more fully live into who God has created us to be. And the fancy word for this is justifying grace. Uh, you might remember Owen talking about um, the way he remembers it, justification, just as if I'd never sinned. And we talked about a lot of different things last week, um, the sin from which we were saved, what it means to be saved, also what it looks like to have faith. And certainly a lot of content there, both last week as well as the week before. So if you missed it and want to dive a little bit more into what it is that we mean when we talk about grace, I certainly would encourage you to go back and listen to either or both of those weeks. Um, we have both a podcast as well as YouTube or Facebook that you can go back and worship with us there. Um, for the last two weeks, though, we've been focusing on the same scripture. So we've been kind of pulling from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the verse that we really focused in on last week as we talked about justification were verses 4 and 5. It says, But God, who's rich in mercy, out of the great love with which God has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, God made us alive with Christ. It says, By grace you have been saved. Um, today we're going to pick up right there uh, where we left off, um, and we'll be talking about the last kind of grace called sanctifying grace. And this often shows up in tandem with justifying grace, and we will kind of more fully lay out a definition of sanctifying grace later. But regardless of what you might know or not know about sanctifi sanctification or sanctifying grace, um, generally I think there are one of two things that Generally, as Christians in America, we often tend to kind of think of what happens after justification. So there are kind of one of these two things that we tend to fall into, even if it's not something we are trained to believe, something that we just kind of is in the water, we tend to think either one of these two things happens after justification or atonement. Um, the first is we tend to think that after justification or this moment of salvation that we are 
good to go. Like we've got our ticket to heaven and whatever we do the rest of our lives, it doesn't matter because of this one moment. Um, the other kind of place that we fall into is tending to think that now uh, it is all up to our power to be um, obedient to God so that we can be a good Christian or to follow the law. And we tend to think that we need to put all of our energy into mustering up, up enough obedience to God such that we can make ourselves righteous by our own power uh, under the law. Friends, this morning, though, I would like to suggest that both of these two kind of traps that we tend to fall into, I believe that they actually miss the point of the Christian life. Um, to the first one, think if all that matters is this one moment and then the rest of our lives don't matter, it can be tempting to actually in this space become self-righteous, to assume that somehow we are more worthy than somebody that doesn't yet have faith or look down upon people that believe differently than us. Uh, to the second point, if after we've been justified, uh, we spend the rest of our lives feeling anxious about whether or not we've been obedient enough or done enough works to find favor with God, um, then to borrow uh, Paul's words from a previous uh, sermon a couple weeks ago, I believe that we are nullifying the grace of God. Um, if we spend the rest of our lives saying to ourselves and to God, like, look at all that I can do, all of these extra things that I can do to follow the law, um, then I believe in a sense we are making it more about ourselves and our own power and less about the grace of God at work in our lives through faith. And this brings me back to the ongoing conversation we've been having throughout this sermon series. There's a tension that we find uh, between law and grace. Um, if we have the ability to make ourselves righteous under the law, that means that thereby we don't need God's grace because our righteousness, our works are sufficient. If you were with us the first week of the series, this is exactly what Paul is talking about when he says you're nullifying the grace of God. If you choose to sit and remain at separate tables rather than living into the grace that God has extended to us through Jesus. Friends, the life that God invites us into beyond justification, beyond this moment of um, the pardoning work of God, it is more abundant than just us waiting around for the next life. Um, it is more abundant than us spending our time here trying to muster up enough obedience to God um, to be able to feel like we are able to be a good Christian. And today I would like to actually suggest a third image or a third way. This is an image that I believe points us to the kind of life of faith that God invites us into. I'm actually borrowing this image from a professor named Dallas Willard. He says that grace fuels the believer like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. Now, I don't know that much about 747s, but I can imagine that massive airplanes are going to need massive amounts of fuel to take off. Professor Willard is arguing that we tend to think the people that are not yet in relationship with God are the ones who need the most grace. But he actually turns that on its head and says that it's actually those of us that are living into our faith that need the most grace, not the other way around. If you are anything like me, I know that I tend to kind of follow a similar train of thought. I tend to think that it requires a lot of grace to be made right with God kind of initially, that there's this huge threshold of grace that we have to cross. Um, but truly, if we are growing in grace as we are called to, we should be living into this image, that we should be living into a way that we are 
burning grace, um, like a 747, is burning fuel at takeoff. We should be burning through tons of grace uh, day after day. And that the more we grow into the likeness of God, I believe the more grace um, we should burn rather than less. I know that's countercultural. I know that that is kind of or counterintuitive. It's, it's not what we tend to think of. We tend to think that you require a lot of grace at the beginning of your walk of faith and then less grace as you go along. Um, but truly, I think that might be inverted. I love how this image turns grace on its head, reminding me particularly that grace is not something um, for somebody else that I think needs it more, but rather that if I am living into my life of faith at its fullest, that it will require of me um, to receive grace upon grace from God um, and to receive abundant grace daily. Um, we use sanctification to talk about this process of growing in grace across a lifetime. Um, I told you earlier that we would more fully define sanctification. And so if I had to kind of come up with a definition of sanctification, I would say that sanctifying grace is the ongoing grace of God at work in our lives, um, in our lives of faith to change us so that we can increasingly become more like Christ across our lives of faith. The scripture that we've been coming back to uh, throughout this series kind of frames this up in verses 8 through 10 and kind of tells us, I think, a little bit more robustly about what sanctifying grace can look like in our lives. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not in your own doing. It is the gift of God. I'm not the result of works. We're going to talk about works a lot today. So that no one can boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. Friends, I believe if we just stop at justification at this moment of being made right with God, then we miss out on the opportunity to fully experience the grace of God throughout our lives that God has offered to us daily. God does not only promise to show up once so that we can be justified or to recognize the atonement that Jesus has made for us, but through sanctification, God promises to meet us with an abundance of grace day after day so that we can be who God has created us to be. God promises to meet us in this grace um, such that we can experience salvation, not just as a future reality, but actually as a present reality here and now. If you look back to um, the scripture we just read, it says, by grace, you have been saved. Not by grace, you will be saved, but that this is a present reality. Um, as we grow to become more like Christ, I believe we get the opportunity to partner with God, to co-labor with God, uh, such that we might be able to experience um, a foretaste of heaven, a foretaste of the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. If we only think about grace as something that is something for other people that have never been Christian or have never claimed a faith for themselves, then I believe we miss out on the experience um, of experiencing God's abundant grace um, that God freely offers to us day after day. Um, now that we've talked about this for a bit, you might be wondering, well, what does that actually look like on a practical level? Like, what does sanctification look like in my daily life? And I think it can be easy to think about growing in grace as growing in our own works, um, in our own prayer life, or in our own reading of scripture, or acts of piety, or mercy, or service to others. Um, we might think about how frequently we do these things, or how faithfully we do these things, or how obedient we are in these things. Um, but 
um, John Wesley, who's one of the founders of the Methodist tradition, he's really careful to emphasize um, that faith through the grace of God is actually what fuels our personal sanctification. Um, it is not our works that fuel sanctification, but it is grace. Um, if we earn sanctification based on our works or our prayer life or our acts of service or whatever, then we risk being able to claim that somehow we have earned our own sanctification. Um, and I believe that God can absolutely and does use those works of mercy, the different acts of piety and things like that to grow us in grace. Um, through reading scripture and prayer, we can learn what it looks like to more fully embody Christ. But I think it's important to name that these acts on their own are not what save us. Uh, instead, we believe that in sanctification, we can more fully develop a desire for love, um, for that love to be the constant ruling temper of our souls. Believe that in sanctification, we more fully develop a desire for love to become the constant ruling temper of our souls. In sanctification, it's not a, a list of checklists of things we have to do, um, but rather um, us more fully embodying the love of God. Um, this concept of growing and sanctifying grace is one that our faith tradition in particular takes pretty seriously. Um, scripture tells us, like, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And John Wesley, who I mentioned a moment ago, is um, one of the founders of the Methodist tradition. Um, he regularly talked about what he called Christian perfection, in which this is the idea that through sanctification, we can more fully have the mind of Christ. We can um, have a heart that is habitually filled with the love of God and neighbor, such that there is no room for hate because our hearts are so filled with the love of God. And uh, Wesley certainly got a lot of pushback about this concept from um, his kind of contemporaries at the time. Um, he held to it nonetheless, though, pretty tightly. Um, and he held on to this because he had a fervent desire for followers of Jesus to grow in grace daily. Um, I love in one sermon he wrote, um, he didn't want the thought of receiving more grace tomorrow to detract us from a desire to grow in grace today. He believed that if we strived after Jesus's admonition to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, then not only does Christian perfection give us something to strive after, um, but also it keeps us from being complacent. It reminds us of our continuing need to grow in grace. Um, he even believed that after for a moment you had achieved Christian perfection, that there even after that moment was still availability and um, the opportunity to continue to grow in grace even more. It wasn't a constant state of being. And I truly love um, this invitation, this reminder, both from our Wesleyan tradition, as well as from the concept of sanctification, that grace upon grace is offered to us. And that this is an invitation, not just for a one-time thing, but for something that impacts our daily lives. Um, I don't know about you, but I know that I want to be so full of grace. I'm so full of the love of God that there's not room in my life for anything but love. So that whenever anyone kind of bumps up against me or comes across uh, me, whether it's at church or in my home life or somewhere in between, um, that love would so overflow um, because they would experience the overflow of the love of God through me. My hope is the same for each and every one of us. But whenever 
anyone bumps up into anyone um, who's a member of our community, um, that they would also bump up against the same love and grace of our God. That they would see um, not your works, not your things that you do, but rather they would see the grace of God at work in you. The grace of God that is ever more fully calling you to, to a perfection, um, to a more perfect love of God, to a more perfect love of neighbor. And I think this is an invitation um, that is challenging for sure, and yet is an invitation that I believe gives us the opportunity for growth and grace across a lifetime. And friends, the grace of God is always abundant. The grace of God is never scarce. God offers us the sanctifying grace so that every day we can more fully recover the image of God, so that every day we can be healed just a little bit more, so that every day we can grow in the grace and love of God and neighbor, so that every day we can more fully live into thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Such that salvation, the work of God in our lives, is not just a future reality that we can hope for, but rather that it is a very present one that we can experience here and now. I don't know about you, but this morning I find myself wondering, why is it that I so often choose fasting when there is a feast of grace before me? I wonder why so often it is harder for me to receive grace from God than it is to believe that God is generous with grace towards others. If I believe God can be generous with grace towards others, why wouldn't I also believe the same can be true for me? Today, friends, let us be reminded of this invitation of grace, that we have grace that is available and abundant such that every day we can burn um, grace like a 747 that is getting ready uh, for takeoff and is going to burn through a whole bunch of jet fuel. This is an invitation that is available to us now. It's not a demand that God is making to us, nor is it a threat that God is making. But rather, I believe that this is an invitation uh, to the fullness of life, an invitation to life abundant, to a kind of life in a world that God so deeply desires for us, so much so um, that God did not leave us alone in our brokenness, but that God made a way for us to be able to experience the fullness of life, not just in some future reality, but here and now. Friends, there's a seat at the table for you. Not a seat that you have to earn or um, kind of muster up through your own righteousness, but a seat given freely to you through the grace of God that God has given to each and every one of us. Let us receive this grace. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.